This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. Before we dive into what I believe God has for us, I, I really believe like he wants to move some mountains in your life this year. Like, I believe that 2017 can be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. And as you have have faith to move, as God leads you to move, then I promise you that he will move in fulfillment of those promises that he set out before you. But you got to have faith to step out and move some mountains in your life. Jesus talks in Mark Chapter four, he, a lot of times he talks in parables and which are earthly stories with like a heavenly purpose. And he was telling this, this parable of the sower of the seeds. And he was talking about the seed being scattered and the seed being like the word of God. And as the word of God is preached, as it, as it goes out, like the condition of the soil uh, really depends on whether or not that, that word produces fruit in their life. So solely on the condition of the soil. So if you're scattering some seed out there, it has nothing to do with the seed itself, with the word of God. The word of God is true. Yesterday, today, and forever. It's always true. That's not arguable. But he says that it's not a problem with the seed. It's a problem with the soil. And tonight, uh, this is what I'll, I'll pray for us tonight. He said, as some was scattered by the wayside, some of the birds came up and ate it, if you remember the story. Some was scattered in the, the shallow soil, and it, and it sprouted up quickly. You know, it took root, it sprouted up quickly, but because it was shallow, as soon as the sun came out, it withered and died, right? Because that, that, that seed was not tested in the trial. There was no way it was going to be prepared for that. And he talks about the seed that was tossed among the thorns. The sin kind of choked it out. But then he said, there's good soil, there's good soil. There's soil that, that produces growth. Pray tonight that, that you would dig up that soil in your heart, in your life, that as God's word goes out tonight, that it would actually take root, that there would be some differences in your life. Again, I believe this can be the best year of your life if it's the best year of your life spiritually. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? God, tonight, we come before you. We're asking you to, to till our heart that you would produce uh, growth in our lives, that as your seed gets tossed out tonight, that it wouldn't be left on the wayside, God, or that it wouldn't be in the shallow surface, but it would go deep in our hearts, take root in our lives, God, and see growth this year. None of us want to, want 2016, and maybe the promises that we made and the things that we wanted to see fulfilled and just failed at again and again and again. None of us want to walk into this new year, God. This opportunity to, to make resolutions, this opportunity for a fresh start and a new beginning and not do the same old, same old. But God, I pray that your word would take root in our lives. In Jesus' name, 
Amen, amen. All right, you can sit down, but before you do, turn to your neighbor and tell them, you're ready to get dirty. Let's get dirty. Maybe you shouldn't say, let's get dirty. Maybe let's just say, let's dig deep. I don't know, say something, say something. Thank you. Hey, hey, let's hear it for these guys tonight, this band. Woo! Man, you guys don't even realize how blessed you are that every week these guys get to lead us in worship and they, they allowed an old man like me to take part tonight. That was fun, that was fun. All right, if I asked you tonight, here, here's what we know. If uh, expectation determines your experience. So if you're coming in here tonight expectant, really, of what God wants to do in and through your life, that determines what you're going to get out of it. Kind of like that seed, right? If God's word is preached, the reaction it will produce depends entirely on the condition of the heart that receives it. And I do believe with my whole heart that the next, how, what we got, 30 minutes, so the next 30 minutes of, of your life, this can be a life-altering, life-changing message that you'll leave from Praise Party 2016 saying that this was the impetus. This was the catalyst that skyrocketed your faith into the new year like never before. I believe that. I really do with my whole heart. Sadly, though, some of you will still find an excuse not to apply God's teaching in your life. Because if I was to ask you, hey, what would you like to be different in 2017? What do you hope? What changes would you like to make? Many of you could answer that, right? You might say, uh, well, I think I'm gonna lose some weight. I gotta lose some LBs. I gotta exercise more. I wanna get, get fit, right? Or you might say, I'm working too hard. This year, I'm gonna slow down. I'm gonna focus on, on, on my family, or this year I'm gonna read through the Bible. This year I wanna draw closer to God. I wanna use my gifts. I wanna serve in ministry in some capacity. If I asked you what you wanted to change this year, many of you would have a response. You've had these things that, that you've already been thinking about, making differences, making changes in your life. The problem is this, and isn't it true, that as soon as I decide to change, Satan gives me excuses to stay the same. Like as soon as you decide that you want to do something different to make some change, your spiritual enemy gives you an excuse to stay the same. As soon as you decide this year we're going on a budget, someone, some fool lets the air out of your tires and ruins all four tires in your car. That happened to someone on staff, right? I'm just saying, it was kind of a joking. But as soon as you decide you wanna save money, right? Doesn't your furnace break or something goes wrong? As soon as you decide that, that you're gonna eat right, you're gonna diet, all of a sudden, L fudges are buy one, get one at Wegmans. We call them in my house L fudges. It's not E-L fudge. Those are Keeblers, they're L fudges because they're awesome and we love them. But as soon as you decide to make some changes, your spiritual enemy gives you some excuses to stay the same. Jesus uh, told a story in Luke chapter 14 that talks about this problem. Here's what he said. A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent a servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready, but they all began making excuses. Now look at these ex excuses real quick. They're kind of funny. One guy just says, well, I can't come because I just bought a field and I got to go check it out. Another guy says, well, I just bought five pairs of oxen and I gotta try them out. Now, I'm not a farm boy. I don't know how you try out your oxen. Maybe some of you can answer that. I don't know. Please excuse me. And then another said, 
I now have a wife, so I can't come. That one's legit right there, all right? That one, like, I know what that's like, right? I got a wife, can't come. Just kidding, my wife's here. Love you, love you. But they made excuses, just much like many of us make excuses. We say, I want this to be different in my life, you know, in, in, in 2017, but I tried that before. I tried in 2016 and I failed. Or I want this to be different, but it's too hard. You don't understand, I've tried time and time again and, and I just can't make it work. I, I'm not good enough. I don't have enough self-control or uh, it's too stressful to change. It's too hard to change. It's too much work to change. I'll, I'll get around to it, I'll do it later. Excuse after excuse after excuse. Which is why by the end of January, 40% of New Year's resolutions have failed by the end of January. And by middle of February, 75% of New Year's resolutions have failed. Do you realize that? 75% done. Because when we make good plans, our good plans, we rely on our own strength. And at some point, our own strength is limited to accomplish our good plans. And that's fine with me that you run out on your New Year's resolutions because I hate January in the gym. Just being honest, right? Janu just doing January in the gym leads to failure in February. That's why I like to say you should tweet that. January in the gym leads to failure in February because I can't get a treadmill, so that's fine if you quit on your resolutions. But the reason why this happens for so many of us is that we have our own good plans rather than God's purposes, and there's a huge difference between having our good plans and God's purposes. My good plans are me-centered. My good plans are what I want to change, what I want to do, the differences that I want to make in my life in this coming year. But God's purposes are God-centered. Instead of this is what I wanna do, what I wanna accomplish, you know, how I want to be different in my own strength and my own resolve, I have a God-given purpose and then my lack of strength is his perfect platform to reveal his strength inside of me. So I want us to stop. New Year's Eve, 2016, stop making excuses. Like at midnight, when the balloons drop, so do the excuses. Deal? When the balloons drop tonight, so do the excuses. Just decide that no more excuses. So instead of asking this question, what is it that I want to change about my life? Here's a better question. Everybody's got a card on their seat. Take that card out right now. Everybody's got a card on their seat. Take that card out. Instead of asking, what do I want to change? Here's the better question. What does God want to change about my life? What does God, the creator of the universe, the one who loves you, who has plans and a purpose for your life, what does he want to be different in your life? life right now, prayerfully consider it just for a moment. Most of you, I would bet, already know. You already know what it is that God wants to change in your life or in your heart. Maybe it's the same thing that you want. Maybe you and God want the same thing. But when you attribute the idea to God rather than yourself, it totally changes your attitude. It totally changes your approach. Maybe for some of you, you would write on there, I believe that God wants me to start a ministry. I believe that God wants me to give something away to someone and be more generous. Or I believe that God wants me to forgive someone this year. 
Instead of carrying around that bitter root of unforgiveness, he wants me to forgive them. So take a moment right now and write it down. Right, right now, right where you are, write it down. Maybe God wants you to invest in your children. Maybe you're a good father, but you need to invest in them spiritually. Maybe he wants you to invest in the youth here at Elevate Church. What is it that God wants you to do? What does he want to be different in your life? Right now, write it down. And if it's private and you don't want your nosy neighbor looking, just write private on your card, all right? Instead of writing whatever, you know, you want changed in your life, and they're like, oh, you're, you're, you need some change. You're super weird. Like, write private. And, and by the way, if you're sitting, um, like, if you don't have anything to write, then don't write anything down. And if you're sitting next to someone tonight that's not writing anything down on the card, consider yourself blessed because you're sitting next to Jesus Christ himself. Because they're perfect, right? And there's nothing that God wants to change in their life. Write something down. At least write one thing down on your card, one thing that you believe that God wants to change in your life, that God wants to do differently in your life in this coming year. And I want you to, to really listen to God's heart tonight as to what he wants to be different in your life. Got it? Everybody got one? Next question is this, and probably the most important question, why? Why? Why does God want this area of my life to change? Now, before you answer, this is really the key. It's, it's key. When you start connecting the why to the what, when you connect the why to the what, there's power and there's motivation to accomplish the what. When you connect the why to the what, it moves you to fulfilling the what. For example, if I was to say, you know, what does God want to change in your life? And you respond by saying, well, I truly believe God wants me to lose some weight. God wants me to eat right. God wants me to be healthy you know, uh, because I'm, you know, whatever. And I'm saying, why do you want that to happen? Because I'm out of shape, right? Because spanks aren't working anymore. <laughs> it works, doesn't work for me. You know, I don't know whatever it is for you, but you write that there. That's not why. That's not the spiritual why to your what. Why does God want you to be in better shape? The answer is because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Because God wants you to care for the body that he's given you so that you are healthy, so that you can be effective and run the race that's marked out for you. That's the why. When you attribute the spiritual why to the what, it motivates you to actually do something about the what. When it's God's idea, when it's not your idea, you say, this is what God wants me to change. You connect the spiritual why to the what. You might say, well, I believe God wants me to read through my Bible this year. I believe God wants me to, to grow in him, you know, and become more like Christ. I believe God wants me to be the spiritual leader of my family, to pray with my, my kids or, or be a small group. Okay, why? Why does God want that for you? Well, because I just think he does or because you, know, you always talk about it. No, that's not why. God wants you to be, you know, closer to him because it makes you more Christ-like because you honor God by, by living that kind of life. It brings honor and glory to him as you grow in your faith. That's the why. Connect the why to the what? Or you might say, well, this year I think God wants me to get out of debt. You know, I gotta get my spending under control. This past Christmas was crazy. We went way overboard, you know, kind of thing. Well, why? Why does God want you to get out of debt? Because debt's bad and I want a boat. That's not an answer, okay? Debt's bad, a boat's fine. If you're buying boats, you should get two. Get one for your pastor, that's cool. But that's not why. 
God wants you to be the wise. God wants you to be a good steward of the resources that he's given you to manage, by the way. Everything that you have, it's not be something that you own. It's that you're the manager of it so that you can have a kingdom impact with it. That's the why. When you connect the spiritual why to the what, all of a sudden the excuses you have to stop start to diminish because the motivation to change is by the one who asked you to do it and for his glory. So connect the why to the what. And think about this. If God wants something for your life this year, and if you want that same thing for your life this year, then there is no excuse on earth that can keep it from happening. Because if God is for you, right, who could be against you? If God is the author of that change that you want and that he wants in your life, and you have every ounce of his power and strength at your disposal to make that change happen, then there's no excuse for it not to happen. There's no excuse. This is not a me-centered good plan, right? This is a God-centered purpose that he wants for my life. Let me show you a story in the Old Testament of a man's excuse and God's response to our excuses. In Exodus chapter four, God called Moses to help deliver the Israelites from the Egyptians. You know the story. His people were crying out to him. They were being suppressed under some cruel kind of task masters, and they were uh, in slavery in Egypt. So God chooses one man, and he asks him to step out of his comfort zone and, and to, to move, to, to get out of uh, what his normal kind of life was like and to do something different. And by the way, this is what I love about God. When God asks you to do something, more than likely, it's something that you don't think you can accomplish on your own. I love that. Because if you could accomplish it on your own, why would you need God in the first place? When God asks you to, to make some changes, to do something for him, it's not something you feel like you're gonna be able to pull off. Some of you tonight, when you wrote that thing down there, when asked that question, what does God want you to change? You know, God, what do you want me to do? He's gonna reveal something to you that you don't think is possible, which is all the more likely that that's God speaking it to you, that God's speaking it into your, your life. It's all the more evidence that he wants you to do that because he loves to get the glory in and through you when he helps you do things that you can do on your own. But God says to Moses, hey, Moses, you're my guy. And Moses pushes back right away and says, no, 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 no. I'm not your guy. You got, the, you got the wrong guy. Watch this in Exodus chapter four, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, Lord, I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. Translation, I pee in my pants when I get in front of crowds, right? I'm a stutterer kind of thing. I don't want to do this. I'm not good enough to do this. And he's given his excuses. Moses is listing his resume of excuses as to why he can't do it, as to why he can't accomplish what God wants him to accomplish. What's Moses doing? He's focusing on his own insufficiency rather than God's sufficiency. He's focusing on his own limited power and strength rather than God's unlimited power in and through him. So God gets all up in his business. In verse 11, the Lord said to him, well, who gave man his mouth? Well, you did. Well, who makes him deaf or mute? Well, you do. Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? In other words, Moses, 
if I'm going to give you a task to do, don't you believe I'm going to help you get it done? If God is going to lead you to do this, God's going to see you through this, right? If he's going to give you something to do, if he's called you to make some change in your life, don't you believe? If God's asking for it and you're asking for it, don't you believe that he's going to give you the strength and equip you to get it done, to accomplish that change? I love in Jeremiah, when God said this in Jeremiah 32, he said, I'm the Lord the God of all the peoples of the world, is anything too hard for me? I believe some of you, you know there's something God wants to do in and through your life. You know there's some changes that he's asking you to make and you've got all these reasons why you can't do it. And I would very respectfully say to you, is anything really too hard for God? Is anything too hard for for God, but you don't understand, Colby. I, you know, I, I know God wants me to be more patient with my kids, but my kids drive me crazy all the time. I can't be more patient. Do you really think that the God who, who gives us the spiritual fruit of patience in our life won't enable you to be more patient with your family, with your kids? Or do, do you really, you know, Colby, I can't do it. You know, I, I can't submit to someone like that. You know, it's, it's just not in me. I'm not that kind of person. Do you really think that if God asks you to do something in his word and confirms it in his spirit, that you will not be able to submit? Or do you, you know, Colby, I, I, you don't know my wife. You know, I, I don't, God doesn't want me to have this, this godly marriage. Do you really think it's too hard for God? Stop your excuses from discounting the eternal purposes of God in your life. Your excuses, all it does is reveal how, how big you really believe God is in your life. How big he truly is to you. Is anything too hard for God? God goes on to say this, basically telling Moses to stop whining. In verse 12, he says, Now go, and I will be with you as you speak, and will instruct you in what to say. He says, now go. He says, I want you to move. And when you move, I'm going to be with you. Two things we see in this. And the first thing is this. You do what you can do. Two things I want you to write down. The first is this. Do what you can do. You have a part to play. You have a role in this. He tells Moses, he says, I want you to go. Stop making excuses. Stop saying you're not good enough or you can't. Do what I told you to do. Moses, this isn't something you have to pray about. I'm telling you to do it. Now go. Did you know there are some things that you don't have to pray and seek God about? Sometimes we use prayer as an excuse for inactivity in our lives. But God says, I just want you to go. And if God wants you to go, you go. Most of you know what God wants you to do. I heard someone say once that delayed obedience is immediate disobedience. Stop making excuses. Don't you dare delay. If God has revealed it to you tonight, what needs to be different in your life, you don't need to over-spiritualize it. You don't need to overthink it. Well, I'm just, I'm waiting on God to move first. That's not what he said. He didn't ask, you know, he didn't tell Moses, I'm gonna move and then you move. He says, no, Moses, I want you to go. A lot of times people will say, well, I'm waiting on God to move. I'm waiting on God to move, you know, so, so I can quit gambling, so I can quit, you know, 
right, getting the scratch off tickets. You know, I'm just, I'm waiting on God to take away this desire that I have. No, that's stupid. Like, don't do that. Just stop going to the casino. Just stop buying the scratch off tickets, right? Carry cash only. Get rid of your credit cards. Just, just go. You do your part. You move in faith and God will move in fulfillment of his promises. You move in faith. Do your part. Well, I know God wants me to quit smoking this new year. You know, I'm not taking care of the temple, you know, but I'm, I'm waiting on God to give me the desire to quit. No, you do your part. You go right now. You do what you can do. Well, you know, people would say, Colby, do you think that, that you know, if I smoke, I'm going to go to hell? No, I don't think you're going to go to hell if you smoke. You might smell like hell if you smoke. You might get to heaven sooner if you smoke, right? But no. Well, I'm waiting on God to, to take this desire away from me. No, you do your part. If God's asked you to do it, and together you've agreed that that's what he wants you to do to take care of your temple, like, there's no excuse that his power is available to you. Like, take those cigarettes tonight and lay them down at the altar before you leave. You go, you move, you do your part. God wants you to get in better shape. God wants me to eat better. Well, do your part. Throw away the Twinkies, for crying out loud. You know, don't go to Golden Corral ever again for the love of all that is holy. Like, stop over-spiritualizing everything. I'm saying if God's called you to do something, if God's called you to move, then you move then you move in faith, and then watch, watch this. He says, now go, you move, you do your part. And the second thing is this, God will do what you can't do. You do all that you can do, and then God will accomplish, God will do what you can't do. You do your part, God will do his part. God said to Moses, you go, and then as you go, what happens? I'll be with you. As you go, I'm there with you. As you go, I will instruct you. I will teach you. I will help you. But first, you do what you can do. See, there's some things God's saying, I'm not gonna do for you. I'm waiting on you to move. And as you move, as you take that step of faith, and tonight I'm praying that some of you take that step of faith. And then as you move, God is with you. God will help you. God will instruct you. He will teach you thought about this and I thought about when I was first learning to uh, like ride a bicycle. Most of you guys remember like when you first learned to ride a bicycle or if you're a dad, you remember teaching your kids how to ride a bicycle. I have three boys and so we've done this three times. Actually, I think my wife taught one of my boys how to ride a bicycle. But every time, it, if your dad wants you to ride the bicycle and if you want to ride the bicycle, then what's stopping you? And my kids, as soon as I would kind of get them on the bike and, and start them going, you know, they, they have all these excuses. No, dad, I'm too scared. I can't do it. I need my training wheels. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Well, your dad's right here with you. Like, if you want this and I want this for you, like, then, then what's the excuse? Or dad, you know, I, I don't want to fall over. Well, if you fall over, that's okay because I'm right here to catch you. You go, you start pedaling, and I'm gonna be right there with you. And in the same sense, God is saying about that thing in your life, as you move, as you go, as you start pedaling a little bit tonight, then God's right there with you. He will help you. 
you go and I'll help you. And if I look like I got a bad back, it's because I've been leaned over with three kids, you know, trying to teach them how to ride bikes. I got another one on the way in like two weeks. It's going to be my fourth kid teaching her how to ride a bike. You do your part. You do your part. You change what you can change. You do your part in the natural, and you allow God to take care of the supernatural. But you have a part to play. So stop the excuses as we move into the new year. God says, you go. I will be with you, instruct you. As you move, I'll move. But I can't do it. I can't do it. There was a time... Jesus in, in Matthew 17 was talking with his disciples and they were asking him, why, why couldn't we, you know, heal this demon-possessed child? And this is what Jesus said, because you don't have enough faith. You don't have enough faith. And what you need to know is as you move in faith, God moves in fulfillment of his promises. I tell you the truth. If you had faith, even as small as a mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, Move from here to there, and it would move. And then I love this. Nothing would be impossible. Nothing. I know you've made resolutions last year, this time. And I know they failed. But if you want it, and God wants it for your life, then nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible with God, but first you got to move. But first you got to get on the bike. You got to start pedaling. And as you go, he's there to help you. Nothing is impossible. As you move in faith, God moves in fulfillment of his promises. As Moses moved in faith, as he, as he did what God asked him to do, right? As he had that moment in front of Pharaoh, where he took his staff and he stretched it out. He threw it on the ground. I always think about that moment. I think that's a big faith moment. Because he takes it and throws it down, turns into a snake. You know, as, as Joshua moves in faith, God said, you know, I want you to march around this city seven times. You want me to do what? March around the city seven times and then shout. As he moved in faith, God moved in fulfillment of his promises. As Abraham moved in faith, as God told him to leave his country, his people, and his father's house and go to the land, I'll show you. As he moved in faith, God moved in fulfillment of his promises as you move, as David moved in faith, right? As he picked up some stones to kill a giant, God moved in fulfillment of his promises. God moved in fulfillment. As you move in faith tonight, God will move in fulfillment of your promises that he's made to you. I know that people change. You've heard this before. When the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change. Maybe tonight you just have this deep burden, this deep pain that you need to change something in your life. In fact, if tonight you know God's moving in your heart and you know you need some change, you know God wants to do something significant in your life, Right now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to stand up, just wherever you are in this room. Just stand up. If there's something that God's put on your heart to move, to change, go ahead and stand up. I told you, we're gonna stretch your faith a little bit tonight. And we're gonna have an opportunity just to pray for you. If you got someone standing around you or close to you, why don't you just reach out and put a hand on them? Because tonight, they're, they're having some significant spiritual work going on in their life. 
that God wants to do something different in them, and they're gonna need you to stand in faith along with them tonight. If you know that God wants to move a mountain in your life as you step out, as you have faith to go, that he's gonna move. And first you go, and then he's gonna instruct you and teach you along the way. Just stand up wherever you are. If you're close to someone right there, would you stretch out a hand, place it on them. Let's bow our heads tonight. God, I pray for the people in this room that you're moving in their heart and in their life to make some change. Some probably huge changes. Maybe it's recovery from addiction tonight. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break that bond of addiction in their life. Maybe it's alcoholism. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would break that chain of alcoholism in their, their life, God, or pornography or, or, or adultery or lust or whatever it is, God, that tonight you would set your people free. That as we call on you, God, you deliver us. And I believe in Jesus' name that you will. And now it's our part. We move as we believe God in faith that you want this for our lives, that we need to take a step of faith as well. As we lay it down tonight, God, help us to confess it to those that we love, that can care for us, that can lead us, that can help be this, this journey with us, God. That we'll walk this journey, walk this path with us as we move. That you'll be there. That nothing is impossible with God. In Jesus' name, say that with me. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. That as we see him move, and I've seen him move, I believe that he'll do it again, and he'll do it again, and he'll do it again. He wants to do it in your life, and in your life, and he's gonna move this year. In Jesus' name, come on. I've seen you move. You've moved the mountains, and I believe you'll do it again. We're always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.